I'm your host, Amber Hollingsworth. I'm an addiction specialist, and I've been helping people beat addiction for more than 20 years now. This podcast is for people who want to know how to get through to an addicted loved one, for people who are tired of being told that they just need to stand back and wait for their loved one to decide to do something about it. Subscribe to this podcast to learn how to outsmart addiction and put this whole mess behind you for good. Have you ever had a moment or a situation in life where you knew that you should be reacting or responding differently, but it was like your body took over and you didn't quite have control of your reactions in that moment? Like maybe you were arguing or yelling and you could even hear yourself yelling and you knew you needed to calm down, but you felt like you couldn't. Or maybe you shut down completely and you couldn't do anything about a situation. Or maybe you notice that you're just running away from a situation and you know you need to deal with it, but you keep having an impulse to just get out of there. Or you could be like me and I definitely have a strong freeze response. There are just certain things that happen where it's like I'm a deer in headlights and I can literally hear my narrative in my head telling me what I should be doing or saying, but it's like I can't even move. I can't even say the right thing. It's like I feel frozen and stuck. If you've had experiences like that, and especially if you tend to have experiences like that, you're really going to like this video because we have an expert on here to talk to you about polybagel theory, which is all about how the nervous system dictates how we react in certain situations, especially if we've had some trauma in our past. So I want to introduce you to Justin from the podcast, Stuck Not Broken. He is going to explain to us all about polyvagal theory, and he's going to help us connect the dots between that and addiction and even to codependency. So Justin, polyvagal theory just hearing the term makes my head want to explode because it sounds like super sciency. I don't know what I would want to call it. Like, it sounds like it's too much. Can you break it down for us in like regular people terms? What in the heck does that even mean? It, it is super sciency. And I think it's, it's, there's ways to explain it that aren't overwhelming. And so that's what we'll do. But I do want to acknowledge it is inherently an academic and biological thing. That is really it. But it applies to so many different fields that us therapists and psychiatrists and doctors, teachers have like scooped it up and said, oh my gosh, I can use this. And I think in the trauma realm, especially, it's been very relevant and really embraced. But the basic idea is polyvagal theory is it's the science of human connection. It's the science of how we connect to each other, but also how we respond to danger. And it's a mammalian thing, not just humans, but we'll focus on human beings. But it's a mammalian thing. How we how do we respond to danger, but also how do we connect with each other? So polyvagal theory lays out, just to keep it really simple, that there's basically our bodies can be prepared for defense or for connection, for safety. We have specific biological neuropathways, circuits, pathways that are responsible for connection, but also for uh, danger to like how we respond in connection or how we respond in danger. That's really the very bare bones basic idea is safety or danger. And then your body adjusts to those, those contexts. And Mm -hmm. that fundamentally changes how you behave, how you think, how you feel Um, to get a little bit more narrow. We go, there's not just the safety possibility, but the defense and even more narrow in defense, we can react to things biologically. We can be prepared for, running, fighting, or shutting down. So flight, fight, or shutdown. Freeze and shutdown mm-hmm. are different. I think we hear the word freeze a lot. So most people are pretty familiar with fight, flight, freeze, right? So it's this yeah. biological state we can get in and we move 
in and out of that state multiple times a day, right? Based on what's going on. Yeah. How does that relate to trauma? So I want to, I want to parse out our words a little bit here, because it's really important to fine tune what we're saying and what we mean. So yeah, flight, fight, freeze is just the common, like this has something to do with trauma. You see these words out there all the time and you'll see other words that they all start with F like flop, faint, fawn. I don't know if we could swear, but there's an F word that there's a swear word that starts with F. It's the F word. Like, so all these that I've seen out there that have something to do with trauma and how people respond to trauma, they always start with F and they just exist out there. But polyvagal theory is more focused. And it's again, about those biological responses that we go through. So flight and fight are sympathetic responses where we mobilize. And so it's, I'd prefer people think about it as mobilization. So not just running away or fighting, but just are you existing in a more mobilized state? Right now, you and I are pretty much in stillness. But I don't know about you, but when I do these things, I have a little bit of like anxiousness. I have a little more energy sure. in my system. Yeah. So even though I'm sitting mm -hmm. still, I still have this like mobilized energy in my system. So I have a little bit of probably more flight, not really. That doesn't mean I'm like getting up and running away. I'm not mm -hmm. like super anxious, but I notice I have a little more energy in my system. So mobilized. And then the other one would be shutdown, not freeze, but shutdown. Shutdown is this like limp collapse where we potentially like full on could like pass out and play dead or death vein. And in polyvagal theory, it, we refer to it as immobilization. So there's a potential for organisms to immobilize in the face of life threat. So shutdown is different than freeze. Freeze is actually a mixed polyvagal state, a mixed state where we have, okay. we have sympathetic flight fight active plus shutdown immobilization. So they're both active at the same time. I'm and following that, that makes freeze. a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah. And I'd interviewed Dr. Porges and I'd asked him about this and he clarified that really what we, when we say freeze, these terms get mixed up, but shutdown is a limb collapse. Freeze is a Porges, by the way, created the polyvagal theory. I don't think I, we had mentioned that freeze is more. So shutdown is limp collapse. Freeze is a stiff immobilization. Mm -hmm. So shutdown is a limp immobilization. Freeze is a stiff, like paralyzed, like freeze, frozen like immobilization. Like exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it, it, like this, so how does this connect to trauma in a major way? Freeze shows up at, you know, I'm not going to go into details, but can show up through numerous sort of assaults and traumatic incidences. It could be something where someone's forced to immobilize or they perceive they're immobilized or they cannot mobilize. Like maybe they're, they got in a car crash and they are stuck and they, they are in pain and there's fires and, but they can't get out of the car. So they are forced to immobilize in that instance, but their body's also prepared to run away and get out of that situation. So that could be a, as a very easy example, what freeze could look like, but just like day to day, if like I have kids that like to scare the heck out of me. And so when they jump out of around the corner and they scare me, which they've gotten very good at, and I used to do it to them all the time, mm -hmm. but now they do it to me. My body like tenses up. I freeze just a little, not like a traumatic way, but that's kind of like day to day. Like these things still exist within us, the potential to go up in what's called the polyvagal ladder to go up and down through these different states totally mm -hmm. exists within us day to day, even in mundane, silly situations. But yeah, also in these situations that are more traumatic. And so to take this one step further to connect it to trauma, the polyvagal theory from the viewpoint of the polyvagal theory, trauma is not just like the thing that you went through. Trauma is not the event. It's the impact of the event. You and I could be, we'll go back to the car crash. You and I could be in a car crash. Mm -hmm. And like you walk away from it and you take a deep breath and you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe we just went through that. And you're ready to hug someone and just be like, and laugh it off maybe. 
Whereas I may be like really stuck in a free state and maybe it was the same incident, but it affected me differently. That's the basic idea. I might be left in a chronic sort of anxious, maybe flight state for mm-hmm. quite a while and have a hard time getting in cars. Whereas you were able to laugh it off and you're, so it's same thing fundamentally, but different right. impact. So trauma is the impact, not the event. Oh, I like that. So it would be kind of like if you pictured two cars crashing, one might come out with a dent and one might come out like total. Yeah. Same crash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. Okay. That's the basic oh, sure. idea. Yeah. But this brings us back to the first thing that we said, which was this is biological. So when I say it's the impact, not the event, I'm not saying like it's just how you feel or it's the behaviors that you do. I'm saying that your body on a very autonomic nervous system level, so on a very neurological level, is frozen in a state mm-hmm. of, well, is stuck in some sort of defensive state, like literally, can, so you cannot self-regulate out of that back right. into a safety state. It's, that, it's not something you can help. It's not something that if you're stronger, this won't happen to you. Right. It's, yeah, exactly. It's automatic. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. I, I like that because we often look at these trauma survivors or addicts and we say what's wrong with you or there's some sort of moral issue or a strength issue and it's like no it's i that person went through something or is going through something and their body is prepared for defense and they just kind of got stuck there it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they can't be helped it doesn't mean that they can't do some self-regulation doesn't mean that they're stuck forever but they're stuck in a state of defense and that's what trauma is Sometimes with addictions, and we've used this language in addictions forever, but I'll talk to families and stuff, and I'll say, when you're in addiction, you're really stuck in the primitive part of your brain. You're stuck in fight or flight. You're stuck in survival mode, and that's why addiction doesn't play by the normal rules and why you can't motivate somebody who has addiction the same way and that kind of thing. It's like their brain state is completely different. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's literally very much true. So when you or when we, anybody, exist in a defensive state, they have less access to the higher functioning functions of their brain. So critical thinking and the ability to empathize with others and ways of pros and cons, all of these things, remember things accurately, all of these higher functioning brain things are off the table. Like you lose access to them while you're in that defensive state. It really becomes more of a brainstem. Like the, all this polyvagal stuff is related to the vagus nerve, but really the most important aspect of this is the brainstem because that's mm-hmm. where all these decisions, these body-based decisions, I'll call them, are happening in the brainstem. Mm-hmm. And from the brainstem, the signals of safety or defense are being sent to the rest of the body, but also up to the brain, not just the body, but also up upwards to the mm-hmm. rest of the brain. And so if you're in a defensive state, you don't need as much critical thinking. You need to escape. You need to fight. And so your body, but also your brain is optimized to find danger, detect danger, and take care of it or get away from it. So yeah, all those like wonderful cognitive functions that we love, they are less accessible because that person is stuck in a defensive state. So like when you see somebody who's addicted and you see them making all these like really bad choices and seemingly like, why would you run your life? Why would you mess up your Mm -hmm. marriage or your career, your kids? Then a part of that answer is because they can't fully access the part of your, the brain that lets you think through that kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Their ability to think critically and to weigh pros and cons, like they're probably seeking out, especially initially once they got into 
substance use as a means to deal with whatever or not deal with maybe whatever they're going through. Actually, I would say it's, I think it's someone's best way of coping. Like I don't advocate for drug use as a way to deal with your problems, but I believe that alcohol, drug use, all kinds of addictions are probably that person's best attempt to deal with whatever the heck is going on inside of them or not deal with, but like cope with maybe to reduce the intensity of it. And that's what in polyvagal theory, we call that a behavioral adaptation. So that could be a full-on addiction that might be cutting for some, that might Mm -hmm. be picking at the cuticles on your, on your fingers. It could be hair pulling. It could be being angry and yelling at your kids. It could be a whole bunch of stuff. It's like, you can't deal with what's inside of you. Okay. And so then you figure out some way to not solve it, but just, it's just less intense. Or maybe there, maybe when you're high or when you are drunk, like maybe it does feel like this is no longer a problem for me right now, at least temporarily. Like you know? so it might be, it or numb it or something like that. Yep. Yeah. It could okay. be a numbing. It could be a distraction, but some people say like, so contrast that maybe a little bit with, cause you talked some also, you briefly mentioned the connection state. Cause that's a different state. Safety state. Yeah. Safety state. Okay. Yeah. When you're in those safety pathways, once those are activated, you can then connect. So flight, fight is mobilization, shutdown, freeze, or immobilization. Safety is connection. Mm-hmm. And you cannot truly genuinely connect with other people unless you have access to those biological pathways. You can fake it. You can look like, you can mask that you're doing things. Mm-hmm. It won't be like a genuine, I don't think, connection with you can others. You can go through the emotions includes... of it. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we all, mm-hmm. like, we all do that. When I chit chat with my coworkers, like, I don't really want to, I just do, you know? Right. Yeah. And, but when I'm right. feeling like truly like connected, I want to go up and hug people. I want to smile. I do things like when I smile, my eyes, and not just me, but all of us, when we smile, our eyes, they crinkle on the sides, mm-hmm. our facial muscles go up. So there's all these biological things that happen within us that cannot happen unless we're in that safety state. So when I'm just like chit chatting and trying to get through a conversation about the weekend or whatever. I don't do those things. I don't have genuine smiles. I don't have that. Like, I'm not going to get closer to that person and want to hug them. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, get it. And I want to move on. But when I come home and see my kids, when I visit my family, it's like, I want to get closer to them. Not just that I want to, like in my mind, I want this to happen, but my body feels this compulsion to connect. And that comes right. from the safety state. If you'd like to get access to more advanced recovery skills, consider joining our private membership program. Each month, you'll hear from myself, Hamble, and Kim about our individual perspectives on an advanced recovery concept. And you'll get access to our members-only live calls, where you can submit questions and get feedback about your specific situation. To learn more about our membership program, click the link in the description. So there's this, we, there's this saying that's been around for quite a while in addiction recovery. And I say it all the time to myself. And the saying is, connection is the cure for addiction or sometimes i say connection is the opposite of addiction and i think that really Mm. lines up perfectly with this polyvagal theory because it's talking about you can't have connection when you're up here in these states or you're down here in this state you have to be in this sort of optimal zone and when you have addiction you can't even access that optimal zone yeah to let the process happen no, I think you're totally right. Connection, I think is a, and it's what we do as therapists, right? A big part of what we do is I'm here with you. I can make eye contact. I'm not going to judge you. I can, I have a full range of my voice. I have, it's called vocal prosody. I can go mm-hmm. up and down. And when I talk in a 
flat monotone voice that indicates that I'm dangerous in a, da a dangerous state. So it's yeah, all these like connection pieces called it's called co-regulation. All mm -hmm. these co-regulative pieces are in, in a sense healing. I don't like using that word, but it is because when well, you provide, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when I'm able to provide those things, what happens is that the other person who maybe is in a defensive state, they're through a process called neuroception, but they're able to basically pick up on my cues of safety or mm -hmm. the therapist or their, their loved one, their friend, their pet, the dogs are really good at this. So we, the, we mammals, we give off these cues of safety as long as we have access to our safety state. And if we right. do that, if we do that, then the other mammal, the other person picks up on them and hopefully they can pick up on them and that will help them to climb their political ladder into their own safety state. So yeah, it's very much is healing or I don't want to say cure or anything, but like it's very much healing. It's a big piece of this, having that connected, those connections around you. Mm -hmm. And I think with addiction, tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't like support group and mentorship and maybe that's too more of an AA kind of model, but like that's pretty darn important. The connection needs to come from somewhere. And a lot of people yeah. do get it from like AA 12 step. There are other places to get it, but the point is to get it right. And I, yeah. for my listeners that you're listening yeah. to Justin, you guys listen closely because he's given you the fancy talk, the clinical way <laughs> of saying to you, what I say to you is like, you got to get your energy right. Cause when your energy's not right, you must have their energy. That's how my people used to hear me. Say. <laughs> and you just gave them the science behind it. <laughs> that's the that's the objective kind of nerdy way of putting these things what i would encourage people to do is hopefully respect that within them is that capacity to connect it is still in there and if you're a loved one of someone who is going through addiction i would hope that you still know that person has that capacity to connect it's still in there it is probably extremely difficult to access it's not a it's not something you can will yourself to do i don't think i haven't come across that but I do believe you, it's still can there. Can you train yourself to do it? Can you? What you can do, kind of what I'm getting at is like, if you can first respect that the capacity is there, then then it's where does it show up? Because it, it, it is there. It, it does show up somewhere. And I think that it can be through big things like feeling connected to a family member or a therapist or someone in a support group or something like you could, you might feel Maybe you don't recognize it in the moment because we're not usually very mindful of these things. So I guess that's kind of what I'm asking people to do is to bring a little bit more mindfulness of when do I feel actual connection? Mm -hmm. like in, in the high school I work at, I ask this and, and they're like, I, I don't. And I'm like, no, there's, uh, who do you feel some level of trust with? Who do you feel some level of like, I can just kind of, I can hang out with them and not feel like I'm in danger. Like who in your, do you have? And those kids will eventually be like, oh, there's the campus security monitor. They're actually really cool. I, I like hanging out with them. Or there's that mm -hmm. one teacher, I'll chit chat with them for 10 minutes after class and then they don't judge me. Moments of connection with your pet or with somebody in your life where you, the guards do come down. And what I would invite you to do is to notice that and experience that. And that's just a little bit of, little bit, just a little bit of mindfulness. So is, are there people in your life where you feel, or you can notice there's less defense and maybe even full on, I do feel connected. And I do mm -hmm. feel a sense of safety here. And then like experience that. So respect that it is there and then look for those times where you actually do feel, and it could actually be the other option here is like, let's say, okay, if there's no one in your life, you have nobody who is able to provide that for you. 
you know, what is it you do? Hopefully there's something you do in life or that you're interested in where you do feel less defense. Maybe you're really into art or cycling, a softball team. I don't care what it is, as long as it's not harmful to yourself or others. Like, what do you have in life where you feel present and you feel in the moment? Do those things, but mindfully, like really experience it. And I think that could be helpful by itself. And there was this phrase that I heard recently, which I just grabbed onto probably more than anything else. And the phrase was, and it's related to polyvagal, but the phrase was story follows state. Yeah. To me, that was probably the most powerful statement. (laughs) Can you talk to us about what that means? And the idea is the thoughts in our brain, not just the thoughts, not just the words, but the images, the memories, these things follow the state of our autonomic nervous system of our body. So when we are in a state of safety or a state of defense, that changes how we think. It changes what we think about. We're, if we're in a safety state, let's do, let's take the, try and take the perspective again of like a family member of someone who's struggling with addiction. When that family, family member is in their own safety state, their thoughts are going to be probably more empathetic and Mm -hmm. understand. And part of that might be taking responsibility for their part in this system. Right. But part of that could be as well. I think part of safety is, or part of the safety thoughts is not just taking responsibility and having empathy, but also making clear decisions about this is what I'm going to do about it. So all that could be from the safety state. Mm -hmm. Whereas from a defensive state, their thoughts might be more judgmental Mm -hmm. and why won't you change? And I'm sick and Mm -hmm. tired of this. And those might be valid questions and feelings, but the thoughts will be far less empathetic and more judgmental and shaming. So it's each of these states have their own thoughts and the flavor of those thoughts changes based on what state that they're in. That That's the basic of story follow state. So it's kind of like if, you, if you've ever met somebody who's that you call that you perceive as being paranoid and they constantly feel like everybody's mm-hmm. sketchy or everybody's after them, then what you're saying is they're probably staying more regularly in a, start, in a certain biological state, which is... Yeah. making them see the world that way. Is that yeah. following you? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, because not just our thoughts change, but the way we experience and filter the world f- changes based on what state we're in. So that person who has, who's like very anxious and ruminating and thinking about the future and worrying mm-hmm. in a negative way, that person's probably stuck in like a flight state. Mm-hmm. The person who is blaming and judging and accusing, they're probably stuck in a fight state or yeah. And that, and the person that is just like, I give up on my life. What's the point? They're numb inside all that stuff. All that would come from like a, a shutdown, a shutdown state. Okay. And yeah. so then in, in my mind, not only am I could be taking this a step too far. So you just tell me if I am, but yeah, as you're talking about that in my mind, not only sort of your physical state is going to determine your narrative. And I think those two things together, because that's making your energy a certain way is going to create other people's reactions to you. Is that the case? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the state of your thoughts and your body, which all this comes from the brainstem, the brainstem sending, so it's changing the potential of your brain and thinking and critical and thinking and mm-hmm. the flavor of your thoughts, but also the state of your body of being in more of a defensive state. And then that gets projected out. And so other people pick up on that. And right. like when you're around someone that is stuck in like a defensive state, it feels, or if you're around someone who's like in an anxious state, whether it's stuck or not, mm-hmm. it feels like it feels differently than someone who's 
warm and empathetic and ready to connect with you. It has a fundamentally different feel. And so you pick up on those cues and some people can tolerate that and they can be there with that person who is in a defensive state and they can provide co-regulation and compassion and kind of ride it through with them. And that's what we do as therapists a lot is I'm here with you and I can tolerate this with you and I'll be this container, right? But other people may not be able to do that for whatever reason. And that's fine. I don't blame them. So when they're around that other person that is in a defensive state, they'll pick up on that and they'll shift to their own defensive state as well. Right. So it's like they'll lose access to their safety state. They'll lose access to their empathy. And, their and so now we have this feedback loop happening yeah. between people, which is very reinforcing of your narrative. Yeah. So if you feel like people are dangerous absolutely, and you have this defensive energy, that's going to prompt other people subconsciously don't even know it to give you back <laughs> that kind of energy, mm-hmm. which is then reinforcing and reinforcing. Yep. Yep. Those defensive states will probably play out based on their life history. So if you're around mm-hmm. someone who's in a defensive state, if you existed in a defensive state, like a flight state, you'll probably go to your flight state and just like leave the situation. Like, okay. I can't deal with this. I'm out of here. Whereas if you expend more time in like a fight state, you'll probably, I would assume, go to your fight state pretty quickly and be like, what's wrong with you? Knock it off. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it's, you'll have two people in a defensive state just cir- circling each other. It's yes. so important why one person in that system makes a change yeah. towards safety. Yeah. It's interesting because when I think about that, when you said some people can tolerate another person's defensive state more easily, immediately yeah. I started thinking about, I can do that really easily in my office in the session. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, you bring it, I got it. I'm going to regulate us. But yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. just me out in the world, totally it's different. different. Totally. It is, it's because yeah. I feel safe because I'm on my home turf and I'm like, I got this. Yeah. Is that what it is? And then, so I'm like, I'm cool. Bring it or whatever. I got this, but I don't have that same capacity just out in general. It's so different. I don't know about you, but do you ever have people, if you're like dysregulated, if you're feeling too anxious or irritated, do people ever go, aren't you a therapist? Like, shouldn't you know better than this? Or shouldn't you, do they ever, you ever hear that? <laughs> I haven't heard that. But oh, I usually lucky. keep most right. of my dysregulation pretty internal, to be honest. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty good at putting yeah. it in there. Yeah. I have a 13-year-old daughter that loves to throw things at me when she can. Not literally, but like if I'm getting irritated at her choices, she'll be like, aren't you a therapist? And it's a different context. It's a, and the answer is like, yes, but I'm not your therapist. I'm your parent. And That's so right. yeah. it's going to sound, it's gonna sound yeah. a lot different. But it's a different context. I think our state changes based on the context that we're in, not just the literal environment, but in a therapeutic relationship, there's someone coming to us and saying, I need help. And as compassionate people, which I think we typically are, I think we're more inclined to be like, okay, I got you. Versus Mm -hmm. at home, like the dishwasher just has to get emptied. Let's go. We're managing a hundred things at home. And in the office, we're managing one thing. (laughs) Right. Pretty much. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when my daughter's like, I'll do my chores later, it's like, no. We got to go. Let's go. (laughs) So it's just fundamentally like a different context, different relationship, different experience, different environment. Yeah. So our capacity can change based on our own state. It can change based on our environment. It can change based on how many things we're dealing with at any one given time. There's so many pieces that come into play. It's amazing that we ever regulate, (laughs) to be honest. It really is. It really, no, you're a hundred percent right. I marvel at, like if some, if we can get to that place of 
safety and maintain it and build the strength of those pathways to be able to do it again the next day. It's yeah, it's a pretty incredible thing, I think. Where can people learn more from you and find out more about polyvagal theory? For me, go to justinlmft.com. I have a ton of stuff there, lots of free stuff. My podcast, Stuck Not Broken, but the hub of like everything I create is justinlmft.com. Mm-hmm. And then if you're if you love this polyvagal stuff, I have a lot of that. Most pretty much everything I do is centered on polyvagal theory. But mm-hmm. if you are like the nerdy type and you need to get the primary sources, Dr. Stephen Porges. And I think okay. it's stephenporges.com, I think. Okay, because some people might be like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's okay. So find you there. And then also, what is the name of your podcast? Because it's a really good name, so I want you to say it. <laughs> I like Stuck it. Not Broken. Stuck, Stuck Not, not broken. broken. Yeah. Such and a good name. The, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't believe people are broken or defective. I don't think people are born with mm-hmm. these behavioral adaptations and whatnot. I think that we get stuck in our development or we get st- and or we get stuck in trauma based on mm-hmm. stuff we've been through. Yeah. Stuck, not mm-hmm. broken. I like that. Cause it's just hopeful. Exactly. Yeah. The, to me, there's mm-hmm. totally a message about, I'm glad that you picked up on Yeah. Thanks for listening to our audio, but did you know these episodes are recorded live on YouTube? Join us Thursdays at 1 PM Eastern to participate in the discussion, ask questions, give and get feedback. Any featured links discussed in this episode can be found in the show notes. And lastly, my goal is to spread recovery faster than addiction is spreading, and I can't do it alone. You can help support my mission by leaving a review for this podcast or sharing it with a friend.